everyone here. I thank you for being with us um, up to this day, and I thank you because you're going to be with us even now going forward. Um, I just pray that today's word um, would glorify you and that you would um, show yourself to be strong and, and draw us nearer to you on this day, uh, the day that your son Jesus was born. Um, I pray that you'd humble our hearts to hear from what you have to say, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Cool. Um, so, I'm going to kick off straight away. As you can see, it's what happens God with us. Um, and it's quite convenient that David was um, talking about how God is with us. And, um, you know, the kids in the nativity story were talking about how Jesus was born and how he came to be with us. So, let's, we're going to sort of kick into it and look at Matthew's perspective of um, Jesus' birth. So, if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, uh, if you've got your Bibles, but it will come up on the board. So, now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Um, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to, dissolve, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her, he will is for that which is conceived in her, sorry, is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name um, Emmanuel, <laughs> which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Yeah. So it's important that we always get a backdrop when we look at scripture. It's important that we understand the background of what's happening here. Uh, now, Matthew's take on Jesus basically starts with an overview of the relationship between Mary and Joseph. Right? Um, and at this point, they're betrothed to one another. So betrothed effectively means they were engaged to to some extent. Now, in in that culture, they were legally married, right? But what would usually happen is once you initially became legally married, it wouldn't take until about a year or so before you'd usually have your ceremony um, and then you'd officially consummate. So at this stage, they hadn't actually consummated. It wasn't official, yeah? Um. And so, and in their culture, so infidelity was a huge thing. So, effectively, if you were unfaithful, um, you were entitled to divorce a woman, and in fact, you were actually entitled to report her to the elders, and they would be able to stone her publicly. So it's a bit gruesome um, in, in in that sense, but it was um, a, a male-dominated culture, and and usually that that was the, the rule of thumb, effectively, for infidelity. So. So you've got that backdrop. Now imagine what's going through Joseph's head at this point. Let's not forget, he's been betrothed to her, to Mary. They have not been together yet. Yeah? It's it's very important to note that, you know, the the Bible makes it clear they had not been together. And so over time, he starts to notice Mary starts to vomit. She starts to get annoyed at random times. And, like, and, and and you just, and he's... You know, he starts to realize, she starts to put on weight and he doesn't know whether to say something or to hold his, 
mouth, and, and after a while, it becomes quite clear that Mary's pregnant. And then he's like, what? Wait, nah, because... This, this, this isn't working out because I haven't been with you. How is this happening? So you can imagine all these things are running through Joseph's mind. Like, have you, what have you been doing? Like, what's, what's going on? Um, you know what I mean? So, and, and you can imagine these things are running through Joseph's mind. And it, it becomes pretty clear over time that Mary is pregnant. Yeah. And we don't have anything, any account in the Bible that says Mary tried to defend herself. Yeah. We don't have anything that says Mary tried to say, look. Joseph, it's, it's not what it looks like, I promise you. Uh, it's, see, the way my bank account is set up. Um, <laughs> um, but we, we don't have anything that says she tried to defend herself. And if she did at all, she obviously didn't do a good job because those concerns were still there for Joseph. He was still worried that this, this doesn't look right. Something's gone wrong here. And, you know, I don't know what Mary's been up to effectively, which is why he's, he decides at a point that he's going to divorce her quietly. Yeah? He's quietly going to divorce her because there, from his perspective, there's infidelity here. You know, she's been unfaithful. That's, that's how he sees it at the moment. And, um, and I guess it's testament to his character that he would decide to do it quietly and perhaps also a testament to his love for her, that rather than um, think, you know what, I'm, I'm fuming, I'm going to oh, no, you know what, she's going to get divorced publicly and I'm going to report her to the elders and she's going to get stoned. You know, he doesn't take that approach. Rather, his mindset is, you know, I'm going to do this quietly because he's a just man, as the Bible calls him. Um, and so, again, like I say, let's not forget his, his reasonable assumption that she's been unfaithful. And now in any culture, in any culture whatsoever, unfaithfulness is a shameful and heartbreaking thing. Regardless, right? We can all agree with that. So we can all understand Joseph's perspective at this time. Um, so Joseph makes the move to divorce Mary, um, effectively quietly, and God appears to him in a dream and tells him to refrain from doing so. And then and God explains to him that, you know what, the child is being conceived by the Holy Spirit, the child being Jesus. Um, and again, at this point, it's important to remember that the Old Testament um, is always a precursor to the New Testament. It's always, it's always, its role is to basically point at the New Testament, you know, as like a flashing beacon and say, look over there, that's where we need to get to. And even more so, it's a precursor to the gospel. Yeah? So, um, so, so, so saying that, Matthew takes the moment here to remind us of the Old Testament's role in being a precursor to the New Testament. And he starts to refer to the old prophets, what the prophets says. And he says, you know, what's happening here is basically a fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah had says. And so he looks at Isaiah 7.14 and he quotes that and says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and the son and, and shall call him Emmanuel. Um, you can see I spelled Emmanuel with an I. Um, that's the Hebrew spelling of Emmanuel. Um, and I think when it was Romanized, it was then with an E. It was then spelled with an E. Um, so it's Emmanuel, meaning God with us, effectively. Um, and I should probably briefly track back um, a little bit as to the order in which God is, starts to reveal things. So you'll notice that God talks about Jesus will be born... Um, and he will save us from sins. And, and there's something, I think there's something to be said in the way 
Matthew starts to reveal things. There's an order to it. So he says, Jesus will be born and will save us from sins. That is amazing, right? Let's, let's not downplay it. Like, that's amazing. Jesus is going to save us from sins. He's going to be born. He's going to put us... We, see, the thing is, we have to understand we were in a negative position. We were in the minus. We were enemies of God. We were at enmity with God. We weren't, we weren't right with him. And so Jesus comes and puts us in a right standing, as, as the word might put it. So you're in like a neutral position. So you know when you get acids and you get alkali, and sometimes you need more alkali to get to that neutral point. Jesus died for us at a point so we could be then neutral, right, and in neutral standing. But then Matthew goes further. He, take, he then takes the, the next step when he says, they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's a bit more than just Jesus dying for us and my sins are taken away. This is now God is actually with us and he actually puts us on the front foot. So we are now in the positive. We're, we're now plus. We're now going forward as opposed to just being okay. Yeah? It's now actually I get to go forward. I get to walk every day with God. That's, that's, that's the message that is actually being preached there, if you, if you can see it carefully in terms of the order that it's going. It's saying, first of all, God makes us right. And then even more so, he starts to walk with us to push us to do right, to continuously do right. Yeah? So we're not just in right standing, but we're now actively living that out. Yeah? Um, and so, and this is the crux of our Christianity. This, this is the crux, and this is the main thing of our Christianity. And, and the whole concept of being with someone is really important. Yeah, and we can, we can see see that in Scripture. I mean, sometimes we have absolutely nothing to do, and someone might say to you, "Let's go Tesco's or let's go Asda." By the way, there's other supermarkets to use which are available. But um, someone might say, "Let's go Tesco's, let's go Asda." And you've got absolutely no business in Tesco's or in Asda. You've got no money to go there, to be fair. You've probably got no plans to buy anything. But for the sake of being with someone, yeah, you just want to say, oh, okay, cool, I'll come. I'll come with you. Yeah? But sometimes you might go with someone for the sake. Or you might think, you know what, this might be my opportunity to finesse this person to get me, get me something. So you go with them. That's also another option. But... Um, <laughs> But you know, there's there's that delight in being with with someone that you want to go that you go you go to places with someone, and you know we, we all sort of love that. And and sometimes it might be a case of being invited to a wedding. You know, some people love the fact that oh, I've been invited to a wedding. You know, somebody wants me to be with them on their wedding day to celebrate. You know, there's 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 a joy that there's a kind of joy that we get from wanting from being wanted to be with someone. And I guess that's why some of us even get offended when we're not invited to a wedding, even if we weren't going to go in, in any case. You know, some of us like, why did she invite me? I was busy anyway, but, you know, she could have invited me. You know, because we, we want to be wanted, um, you know, to be with people. So, so that, there, that withness is, is important to all of us. Um, and even for the bride and groom themselves on a wedding day, for example, hopefully they want to be with each other otherwise that's pretty awkward and it, <laughs> do you know what I mean so, so that withness as I say is, is important and, and even for introverts even for people who dislike people so much or just don't fear being around people and your alarm bells ring when people when you have to say hi to someone in church you know, <laughs> no no can't do this even that you know there's a worry there's, there's a worry about being with someone it's not always just out of 
I just don't want to be with people. It's sometimes there's, there's this difficulty of, of the perception of what, what does this person perceive of me, what do I perceive of this person, and that affects our wanting to be with someone. So the main point here is that being with is central to our being, you know, being with people. Um, and for many of us, being with people depends on the circumstances of our acquaintance. So, like, on what level do I know someone? You know, what has someone done to me? What have I done to someone? And that can affect the conditions of how you want to be with them or whether you do want to be with them. Yeah? And um, based on that, we either hold back how we are with them or we go full, full pelt, basically, with how we want to be with them. And being with someone can always put you, always puts you in a vulnerable position. Regardless, you're always vulnerable. And that's, and that's what sometimes some of us fear. We fear that vulnerability because I'm now open. I'm open to being disappointed by you. Um, and I'm open to you possibly using me. I'm, I'm open to this not working out to be with someone. Yeah, so sometimes we have those fears. And so like I say, it's important to now then understand how does this concept of being with people work with God? Um, because Emmanuel came so that God can be with us. Yeah? And, I mean, once we accept that, you know, sort of, um, we, we get to a point for some of us, for those of us who are Christian, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we say, okay, you know, I'm giving everything to God. And then you go on to start doing things like reading the Bible and, and praying and being in the presence of God's people. Um, it's not just stuff, basically. Do you know what I mean? I mean, these are ways to be with God. Yeah? Like reading the Bible, praying, being in the presence of people, they're not just stuff. You're not just doing stuff. You're, you're finding a way to be with God and be in fellowship with God, basically. Um, so when we decide not to do these things, we're not just saying, oh, I don't really want to do these things. What we're actually saying is, I don't really want to be with God. Yeah? But you see, Emmanuel wants to be with you. Yeah? I mean, this, this, that's the crux of his name. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. It's not God with us dependent on your behavior and reasonable um, acceptance of him. That, that's not what it is. It's just God with us. He wants to be with us. Um, in our pain and, and in our joy and in our hurt and in our healing and in our failures and in our victories, um, God, Jesus, Emmanuel decides that in spite of the surrounding circumstances and in spite of most likely your rejection of him, he wants to be with you and he calls you to, to himself. Um, and so with that, we know that we're not alone. We're not alone. We always have God with us. And, um, and so it, it, this is actually made clear in Hebrews, Hebrews 4, uh, 15. And so it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. It's significant, right, that Jesus had to come down as a baby. He had to be born as a baby. He had to experience loss. He had to experience suffering, celebration, joy, neglect, submission, all those things because he's then able to enter the realms of our experiences, what we experience when we experience failures and 
having to sometimes submit to a law, for example, and neglect at times, enjoy at times. Jesus felt all those emotions that we then get to feel. And so he can say he's been with you in understanding exactly how you feel and understanding exactly how we struggle every day and understanding how, exactly how we excel in some areas. Yeah? But you've got to understand that for him to come into this fallen world and see our fallen hearts and pay the ultimate price for us on the cross, regardless of you know, what we've done and regardless of us sometimes not caring about him, frankly, um, that's the greatest display of courage. You know, I talked about being with someone is difficult because you're, you're vulnerable. And so it takes some courage to actually want to be with someone. Yeah. But Jesus displays the ultimate way to be courageous and be with us in dying on the cross for us. In spite of us being sinners, in spite of us occasionally not caring, uh, to be frank. And Jesus did it because it's good for God to be with us. Yeah? I mean, Jesus had to see what we went through and he's now felt it and he goes through it with us as we're going through it even now. You know, he's, he's with us. He's, he's able to sympathize with us. Yeah? And so it's important that Joseph realized the same concept. It's important that Joseph understood that Jesus was with him. Um, as I said, he's, he's in a state where he's about to divorce Mary. You know, he's thinking, oh, I can't deal with this. This is, this is a mess. You know, imagine what it looks like to other people. You know, because in the, in the Jewish culture, they, most people would understand that, you know, you don't, you're not, you don't get together at this stage, at a stage of initial betrothal. They, they, wouldn't, get, they wouldn't get together for the first period. It wasn't until at least a ceremony would have happened that you consummate. So people would have understood this in his culture and would have been like, Hey, you heard what's going on with Joseph and, and Mary? It's a bit, it's a bit of a mad one, you know. <laughs> you know, we would have been a bit, just a bit suspect, and and you can imagine what's going through his head—just pure hurt and confusion as well, because he's like, I can't understand what's, what's going on here. And this is before he has the dream, before God has spoken to him. Um, it, you know, it's really, it must be really difficult for him to comprehend. But then we see in verse four, verse twenty-four, sorry. And it says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him to. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he, and he called his name Jesus. So what Joseph's reaction is to all this pain and all this confusion is, in fact, to wake up, believe God's words, and act it out. Simple. That's what he does. He goes, God's with me. That's enough. That's literally enough for me to understand that God is absolutely with me like, regardless and I can just wake up and do what he tells me to do. And th- again, like I say, this is in no way easy because all the circles are understanding this is, this is a bit dodgy. What's, what's going on with you? And there's so much shame that he's having to face. Um, but this is how we're to live. This is how we're to live out the gospel. Um, we're to believe Jesus, wake up, <laughs> And say, you know what, despite the perception of others, I'm going to go forward and trust Jesus and do, do what he does because I know he's with me. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's been with me constantly. As much as I want to be with people at Christmas, I understand the ultimate one is with me. And it's not Santa. 
Yeah, and it's, it's not Santa, but it's Jesus. It's Jesus ultimately who's, who's with me. Um, and because we know, we know how the story ends. We know how this ends, and it ends with us. It ends in us with God. It started with God with us, and it ends in us with God, and remains God with us constantly. Yeah? And so, I'll end with this. David Platt, um, good preacher, says, says this. He says, followers of Jesus don't always know where they're going, but they always know who they're with. You know, that's our story. It's like, sometimes it gets mucky. Sometimes you can't really see where you're going. Abraham experienced it. You know, God was, was like, he was in the wilderness and God said, right, let's get up. We've got to go. And he has no idea where God is taking him. And it's a bit, it's, it's a bit unclear, but he knows that God is with him ultimately. And that's all he needed. That was enough. And I just pray that this Christmas, it would be enough for us to know that Jesus is with us and we can live in life. God bless you.